Hello, welcome back to the Combat Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Connor, and today I am delighted to be joined by a nomad, Flamina Buda, initially from Rome, Italy slash America. We're going to go in more detail on that. And we're going to talk more about what her work is, why she does it, how she begins, and everything else to do with it. I'm looking forward into this concept of nomad, which I'm definitely keen on exploring due to her own experiences and also what I've heard from others. So it is my delight to welcome Flamina to the show. Flamina, how are you? Thanks for having me, Connor. I'm doing great, super excited. Yeah. Can you just, um, I guess for a basic overview, Flamina, I ask almost every guest, can you tell me a bit about your background initially? We've just spoken off air. You were born and raised in Rome. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yep, so Rome, Italy is home. I was lucky enough to go to an international school. So that's a lot. There's many reasons why my accent is very Americana accent. My parents are (laughs) American. Mom born in Colorado and my dad is from the South of Italy, but also a little bit on the New York side. And a little bit about my story is I went to the same school for 14 years of my life. Um, It didn't change much until the time that I graduated. And, and I decided to go to the States. I you know, spent the majority of my life in Italy and to go abroad just seemed so daunting and exciting. So I decided to do that after I graduated from high school and I went to the University of Colorado, Boulder, which is where my mom went as well. So it felt like this familiar sense of going to someplace that I had visited once or twice. And that was my first step into leaving Europe. And it was a beautifully confusing journey because I, because I sound American, people thought I was one of them. And yet I felt very far away from home, which was Italy. So that was something that was a beautiful challenge to go through and thinking of what part of society do I wanna be included from or what, where does home feel for me particularly. So after that, after university, uh, four years, I graduated with two bachelor degrees and a minor. I studied advertising and marketing, as well as a degree in psychology, and then a minor in business. Uh, I was definitely a hard worker, (laughs) was working three jobs at that time, working remotely. This was back in 2012. And there were just a couple gigs I was picking up to get some extra income as a student. Uh, as a transcription person, online tutor, a social media manager, just some couple extra hours while also being a full-time student. And after that, I graduated and I decided that the States wasn't really a place I wanted to reside in. I had this plan to go to San Francisco and work in the top advertising agency. Uh, I had also had an incoming um, application to work at Google and I stopped everything. I stopped the whole process, stopped the whole interview, and I decided that it was time for me to choose whether I wanted to follow a path that was geared more towards financial, um, you know, dependence or a life that was geared more towards freedom and financial independence. And I decided to choose the latter. And so I moved back to Italy, uh, back to home for three months to have my primetime Italian vacation summer. And after that, moved to Barcelona to learn Spanish and completely bask in a different culture, different language, and 
it was something that again was very daunting for me but I knew that it was a path I needed to follow for myself and that's sort of where everything began to change for, for the better yeah no absolutely and two of the main concepts that we're going to be discussing throughout this podcast are about um, traveling and also working remotely can we go back to say 2012 when you were picking up these remote working gigs because it feels like nowadays and obviously due to the pandemic that's I guess probably like you know a main factor for this that remote working is becoming more popular but back in 2012 was this how did you stumble across this because correct me if I'm naive but I feel like there weren't as many opportunities back then as there are now Correct. There were hardly any. I had to actually, it came more from an inner sense of, I don't want to say it's also laziness. Um, <laughs> because at the time I was a full-time student, I also had a boyfriend. Like I had a great social life. I was trying to be this superwoman that could do 100% of everything. Um, getting an online remote job really helped me to spend time, you know, with my friends in the same room, but also working, you know, remotely by my computer. I didn't have to go into the office and take that time there. So um, what I also, the, uh, the other driving factor was to be able to work some hours during the day and then also study and not have to like waste that time with transportation and traveling. So yeah, the way I came across these positions was I've always been relatively good at marketing myself and selling myself. I think um, that trait is threaded with my sense of empathy. So I can put myself in people's shoes. I can try to envision what is it that the employer wants to hear to see that I'm going to accomplish their objectives. If at the end of the day, I'm working from home, but yet I'm still meeting their objectives, you know, <laughs> what's What's the problem there, you know? So it was coming more from a sense of how do I uh, connect with these employers on more of a heart authentic level and explain to them on, on a deeper scale, you know, I'm a full-time student and just explaining to them my, my case scenario, but also I'm on my own growth journey. So I know that this whole remote concept may sound a little weird and it was more just a co-creativeness that I was that I was coming up with and um, it seemed to work out with the people that I was speaking with at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that you mentioned empathy because I think that's a key skill in all areas of life. Of I, I think I heard it somewhere of like 3D thinking where you go around and think exactly what the other person wants and that's how you get to a negotiation point. But also the fact that, yeah, you were able to not go the conventional route of say traveling to your side job and another side job and spending all that time in different environments you can just yeah be with your friends in the room and I can see the appeal with that can I ask you uh due to the fact that you know a large nature of your work is working remotely are you more introverted or extroverted because I feel like remote working and I'm slightly stereotyping is more suited to the introverts, but can you tell me a bit more about that? Which bracket do you think you fit yourself into? Mm, that's a really good question. I've so interesting story about myself is well, since I was in first grade until fifth grade, I was the shyest person that you would ever come across. My parents actually wanted to bring me to a therapist because they were just so interested as to why I was so shy. If someone would try to say hi to me in, in the classroom, I would just like get all red and like look down on the floor. Like my level of um, introvertedness was so high. Comes sixth grade, middle school, and I attend the drama class. 
And in this drama class, I start to realize that I can be anybody. I could fully unveil myself as, as any trait or personality that I'd like to be. And it somehow cracked something in me. And after that, we played this game called Zap, where um, probably for theater people, um, I didn't study theater, but this is very familiar in the theater game is where uh, you sit around in a circle and you're two people are in the center of that circle acting, acting, imp improvising. So there's no lines, there's nothing, there's complete randomness. The person in the outer circle steps up and taps them on the shoulder to zap them out. And then they go into the situation and they invent anything. And this exercise in and of itself was so transformative for me because it allowed me to step out of my shell, not only step out of it, crack it and throw it away. And it allowed me to step into my power. And that power could have been anybody, it could have been any voice, it could have been any personality. And so since that point, it completely changed me. I started to become this very extroverted person. I started to bask in my quirkiness and my weirdness, and I would attract those people. And I started to create a really great social group and friendship group. And I, I was always that person that the principal would send to to invite the new kid to lunch, to show the new kid around. I adored meeting new people. It was like this completely different person. And so, you know, bigger picture to answer your question I I was introverted and like something throughout my journey changed me to becoming a very extroverted person so much so that I actually get a dopamine high off of speaking to people in some of my jobs I was um, a you know a trade conference marketer so I would go to conferences and I'd speak to people I'd speak by the booth I'd go around each booth and get to know people and I swear like I would get this dopamine high and I would feel this euphoric feeling of just really being curious about these other people, why they're here, what they're doing, you know, how are they doing it? And so um, there is a certain level of introvertedness for remote workers and it's, that's great, but there's also some advice for the extrovertedness because before the actual COVID pandemic um, in the remote working world, we called it the loneliness pandemic. Right. And that was actually something that was very prevalent for people that were especially extroverted like myself, but found themselves solo traveling and working remote, but yet feeling relatively lonely, you know? So um, I think it's for both, it's definitely for both people, extroverted and introverted, but it's just finding what works for you in this lifestyle, particularly. Yeah, of course. And I do understand that about the loneliness aspect where, you know, for example, you could post on Instagram a picture of your life and I'm sure you've done it or you've seen people do it or you've seen people from back home go, oh my God, I'm so jealous of you. You sit by the mm. beach whilst you're doing your work. But it, again, like there is the loneliness factor where sometimes if you are on your own for a long period of time, it isn't good for anybody. Even as an introvert myself, like I still need human interaction just to, you know, keep me sane and just to give me that dopamine just to you know keep me on a different avenue mm. so I can imagine that remote learning does have plenty of its advantages and we will go into it but I can definitely see why loneliness is up there mm, yeah and also just to add I mean we're social animals there may be this tag that we put on ourselves as introverted ambivert extroverted and god only knows what other words social media has come across or invented but in general from a bigger picture, I mean, we are social animals and we do get this level of 
acceptance and reassurance within ourselves or in our external surroundings when we surround ourselves around people that that allow us to feel heard and understood as well. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah, I feel like we, we are naturally wired to be so. We are wired to have connection and to avoid rejection, hence why we do, yeah, we do gather and gravitate towards people and it is an important part of human development. And what I do want to do actually is just, just backtrack slightly. I remember you mentioning there your experiences in the States and then coming back to Italy for a vacation before Barcelona. But what I heard you mention was Barcelona, everything changed. Can you tell me more about that? Like, why did everything change in Barcelona? Well, I had completely dropped. And so the metaphor that I was using at this time, if you were, if we were to speak, um, how long was it? Eight years ago, eight or nine years ago. Um, the metaphor I'd be using was that I, what I really wanted was to drop myself in the middle of the ocean and find shore. I, find that when I really decide to challenge myself in certain areas of my life, it needs to be done in a relatively aggressive way. When I say that, it means I need to be able to put myself in a situation where there is a way out, but I'm not making that plan A. I'm making that plan Z. <laughs> I'm going to do everything in my power to grow in this experience and get the clarity that I may be looking for in that moment. So when I say that Barcelona changed me, what I did was I completely dropped myself in a different culture, in a different language, in a city that I didn't know anybody in, not a single soul. And these three things might have seemed, seemed relatively similar to going to university, but they really weren't because this was my mother's hometown. I had some of my cousins close by and I speak English with an American accent. So I'm even more inclusive than the relative than the normal foreigner that goes abroad. Whereas when I moved to Spain, I didn't speak a lick of Spanish. Now with my Italian background, I can guess my way through Spanish and I have, and I'm fluent to this day because of my background in Italian. And when I moved to Barcelona, it was very daunting. It was probably the biggest out of my comfort zone step that I had done for myself. And I wanted to do that for myself. And I wanted to see where my limits were and my barriers were. And mind you, in this whole bubble, I do feel very privileged in my current family situation. I have an amazing family that I can fall back on should, knock on wood, anything ever happen. So of course, that's an amazing safety net to have in the back of your head is probably what's prompted me to go to the deep end and to the deepest ends of the heights of where I'd like to grow for myself. So Barcelona allowed me to taste what it felt like to step out, out of my comfort zone, be with people that I don't really know, and to test who I think I am as a person. Like, who, who do I want to show up as in the office? Who do I want to show up as as a friend? These people have no idea who my background is. I could show up in a bar and say that my name's Veronica. No one needs to know my name's Flaminia. So it's like, you know, there was this sense of like, I can be whoever I want to be very similar to that experience I had in sixth grade when I broke my intro introvertedness and my shyness. So it allowed me to step into my power to understand more of who I am, understand, you know, how do I act or, or how is it to learn a new language? How do I behave? What do I 
you know, what do I find as a challenge for myself? What do I get really excited by? And I'm very consciously aware going through all of that of what works for me and what doesn't. And for the things that work for me, I keep on working on. And the things that don't work for me, I decide to put on the back burner. And that just allowed me at such a young age to become more aware of how my surroundings impact my level of consciousness and growth and how that can be more of a co-creation rather than just sitting in the usual and not stepping out of my comfort zone on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. And from that period then, have you been on the road pretty consistently in terms of your traveling experiences? Was Barcelona like the catalyst for you to jet set? Yes. So I actually stayed in Barcelona for two years. I was working in person. So at that time, uh, my remote jobs had sort of tr- sort of faded out. There were more projects. When I moved to Barcelona, I went there for two internships at the time after freshly graduating. Uh, I was the type of person that always wanted to hit three birds with one stone. <laughs> and so um, what I did was I wanted to get double the experience in a shorter amount of time. So I was working two internships at the same time, two different companies, and they were part-time. So one in the morning and one in the evening. And I would do the, I would go to one and then I would go to the other and I'd have to switch my brain into entering into different offices. Now, the office that I was working in, uh, in one of the companies was a beautiful office. It was a mini Google. They had a, you know, a, a pool um, with like little squishy balls and they had like green grass everywhere, fake green grass as like the carpeting. And they had like two, three story stair. It was very Japanese designed, Google inspired. And so the office was amazing to work in. And I was there for at least a year and a half. And this was in the affiliate networking industry. So the industry with website traffic, CPI, CPC, and that's where I did a lot of sales um, and also trade conferences. Mm. And so from there, um, the whole, that was like my first experience in an office. And so I got to really taste what it felt like to enter an office every morning. Um, I eventually let go of the second internship and went full-time with this company. I saw a lot of development. I opened up my own department and my own team. So there was a lot of um, exponential growth growth that I was able to go through. And I realized when I was working in this office, as beautiful as the office was, I found myself feeling um, like I was living a monotonous life. And I would question the fact that there, I not even question, I almost knew in my muscles and my body that there was more to this. So the consciousness that I already had was, yeah, I can work remotely. The lack of awareness that I had at this point was, is it possible to travel and work remotely? And that, that was something where I started connecting the dots where I was like, there has to be more than this. Like I should be able to see different cultures and taste different foods and like speak to different people across the globe while also earning an income online. I was like, this has to be possible. So after a year and a half in Barcelona, I Googled to the end of the web and on Instagram to see who was doing this. Like, who is is anybody doing this? And then that's where I came across the term digital nomad. And I started to realize, I was like, wow, there are actually people out there that are, that are living this lifestyle, living this dream. And I would reach out to them, we'd talk, we'd grab virtual coffee, and I'd tell them my story, they'd tell me theirs. And I realized that there's just this 
huge welcoming community behind this. And I decided to take the jump. So after a year and a half, two years in Barcelona, I decided to move to Bali. (laughs) I packed all my bags. I got a, a remote job in my hometown, actually in Rome, Italy. And I, during the interview, I told them, look, like, I think I'm a great fit for this position. I have intention to go to Bali in a month. How do we feel about that? (laughs) And they were like, we've never done this before, but let's give it a shot. So um, I was working remotely for them for seven to eight months during my entire stay in Bali. And that was the leap that started my digital nomad journey. Yeah. And can I ask you as somebody who has never done or been a digital nomad. I know a lot of people who want to, etc. But a lot of the time, you know, I get the questions, is it feasible? Is it realistic? How can it actually happen? Is it, um, what's the word? Is it prosperous? Can you like give me some kind of insight into how it can become a reality and how it can become feasible based on your experiences? Yeah, so this is actually what I help people with. I've actually pivoted my entire business towards helping people understand what it means to be a digital nomad and see if this lifestyle is really for them. So I always ask in the beginning stages, what's your objective going in? Because you have to have your story, your objective really clear cut. I'm not going to say really clear cut. There's there's several questions that you could have going in and you can start your journey even with unanswered questions and figure them out on the way. But the thing, the bigger picture is understanding why are you desiring to step out of your current situation? Like, what are you not happy with now and that you desire to change for the better? Like, what needs to change for you to get to where you want to be? And so what I help people realize through my own experiences is that you can actually create the reality that you want to create for yourself. Like, (laughs) I know it sounds kind of weird and like that sentence can be said but like if you actually sit with that sentence and process it you can actually create the life that you want to live what stops us from doing that money society friends and family of thinking that maybe we should choose a certain path and choosing another one may not be so approved now we are in an industry where this lifestyle is, has become more popular, but also people have, their eyes have been opened up to this opportunity, mostly because of the pandemic. Now, as horrible as it was, there was this silver lining that it opened up the eyes of companies as well to show people that you can actually be productive working from home. You can actually be productive working remotely. Now, what I've come across a lot in these last few years Um, specifically in these last few months of traveling in Europe, was I've actually come across a lot of people that have been working remotely, um, but their companies don't know that they're traveling. (laughs) Yeah, So so they're not supposed to, you know, they could be in a different time zone, but they're, they're pretending that they're currently in the city of where their company is. And I'm like, that's really interesting. That seems to be a, a common thread. Well, I'm like, well, why don't you find a position that allows you to travel the world and work remotely, you know, and of course there's different reasons that come up for that specific person in their life, but bigger picture, like being able to live this lifestyle, there's, there's different, um, there's different reasons for everyone. My reason was, and this ties more to like becoming a freelancer and not reporting to anybody, not working remotely for a company, 
because you have different types of digital nomads. Digital nomad is more the umbrella term. Under that, you've got remote employees working for a company, right? So that's essentially as it was or as it has been working in office, but rather than working in the office, you're working remotely, right? Um, the, the other option is being a freelancer. So you're selling your services online at a specific, at a specific fee, a specific price. You have your own website. It's more of your own branding and your own portfolio. You could still be working for remote companies, but you're working on a freelancer basis. You're not getting the health benefits or the 401k if you're in the States and all that. And then the third option is being an entrepreneur, right? So being an entrepreneur will allow you not only to sell your services online, but to actually create your own legal entity, like an LLC, um, you know, a sole proprietorship if we're talking US or Patita Iva if we're talking Italy. So um, in Europe, but so bigger picture, a lot of the people that I speak with are more on the side of uh, wanting to be a remote employee working for a remote global company. And that's a, an easy step into this world because you have that guidance from the company that you're given your tasks, you're given, you know, whatever your position title entails. And from that, you can then work remotely, whereas the side of the freelancer and the entrepreneur can be very daunting if that's your first step into this reality, because not only are you learning to, you know, be, sell yourself and market yourself to clients, but you're also learning how to work from home and work remotely and travel the world. It's just too many learnings at once, unless you find that you can be an octopus, you know, octopus multitasker. That's great, but I, I always um, recommend to my clients to take a step-by-step -step and just see what they can take as a mouthful when they're ready to take that. Um, yeah, so I hope that answered your question. No, I believe it does definitely, and you've given me a lot of detail into that, which I wasn't previously aware of, and of course, distinguishing between the certain roles and the certain types, like freelancer or like some other role, etc. What I'm kind of curious to ask you, Flamina, is I work as a teacher. And I spent a lot of time teaching online during the pandemic due to obvious reasons. And with that, you know, I kind of thought a few times, what was to stop me doing this remotely? But then when I would do it remotely, things would happen such as like Wi-Fi issues and unreliable hotels and, you know, flight times changing, which messes up the schedule. And what I'm basically asking you is how do you like, make sure that the time is scheduled effectively when you're being a digital nomad for example you know if you're always on the go right if you're from country to country how do you make sure you can still i don't know have all your equipment together to make sure you can produce despite the ever-changing circumstances do, do you know what i'm trying to say i do i do and it is fully resonating um, in these last few months, so this past year, I was living in Bali uh, for about a year, off and on two years, and that was relatively stable. I was, um, you know, Bali's the mecca for digital nomads, as are different hubs in the world, but Bali's definitely one of them, and I was very stable. I wasn't traveling at that time, so I didn't have to worry too much about Wi-Fi because every other cafe that you go to is very accommodating to digital nomads that are working remotely. And you have other people in the cafe that have their laptops open and everything is just a cushion of accommodation for us. Whereas in these last few months, I have been secretly kind of trying to find a Bali in Europe, um, which I haven't yet found, but 
What I've been doing recently is traveling to different cities in Europe. I went to, for example, these last three months, I went to Lisbon and then I hopped over to Madeira, which is known to be a digital nomad village. Uh, it's been nominated as one. The government is, was helping to sustain a digital nomad lifestyle in Madeira. Um, and then we hopped over to the south of Portugal. So this was all within two weeks apart of each other. And it did catch up to me. Right now I'm in Fuerteventura. And before that I was in Tenerife. And before that I was in the south of Portugal. So there's been a lot of moving around. Um, the number one issue has definitely been Wi-Fi as it can be for everyone. Ways to find solutions around that to make sure that you are getting a good Wi-Fi connection. There's been a surge in, I would say more co-working and co-living spaces opening up. So these are places that can be very accommodating to digital nomads because they um, are essentially creating what is an office uh, for remote workers. Now, for the longest time period, I used to completely run away from that. Being a digital nomad that escaped the nine to five job in office, I was like, why would I want to go to a co-working space that is going to literally make me feel that same way? Um, so I would go to cafes. And the logic there was that it's a win-win. I get to see the city, I get to see the culture while also working remotely. I would, ways to make sure I'd have a good Wi-Fi connection, I would either one, gamble, I would go to the restaurant and I'd ask them, do you, I'd ask them two questions. I'd say, one, do you have Wi-Fi? Two, do you have a plug? <laughs> like those are the two things that I need to enter into your restaurant and I'm going to order whatever I need to order. There's this consensus that like digital nomads stay in a cafe for hours and order and order only a tea. Now <laughs> that does totally happen. And that's definitely a stereotype, not going to lie. Um, but because I've been so... Um, so involved in wanting to interact with the local community and wanting to give back locally. You know, I was the chief of staff of Nomads Giving Back, which is a thought leader in the digital nomad space. You know, we would essentially help digital nomads that are traveling to these locations interact with the local community. And whether it, if it was or was not top of mind, we'd find ways to funnel that with them, creating events, workshops, how do you, language exchanges. So it was always my intention to like want to see the culture. So going in a co-working space eight hours a day just wasn't really for me. Where I'm at right now is I've been traveling for these past two months to at least four to five different locations. And it's put a little bit of a toll on me now. Um, and so I decided to stay for a little three weeks here in Fuerteventura, which is stable enough for me right now to in this co-living and co-working space, which allows for great Wi-Fi, which allows for a community of digital nomads that are on my level. And there's this sense of, oh, okay, I don't need to worry about all these frustrations, like finding Wi-Fi and finding new accommodation every two to three weeks, like to kind of like wrap things 360, do what you feel like is matching your objectives and your mood at the time. So if you have this desire to want to travel the world, you have to be realistic in knowing that you are going to come across Wi-Fi issues. Don't go in thinking that you're going to, every cafe is going to have super fast Wi-Fi for Google Me and Zoom calls, right? So it, it there's this sense of patience, for sure. And there's this sense of um, inner discipline that I feel like someone entering into this lifestyle really needs to exercise as a muscle because if you don't 
have these two things, um, it's going to be a lot harder for you to have a smooth entry into this industry. Absolutely. And I was actually speaking to a guest uh, just this evening, a few hours ago about remote working, She that is, which is what she also does. And we were talking about discipline. How do you cultivate that in a discipline? Because for example, if you are traveling to different places, it can be so tempting to go, oh, I can look at the pagodas or the beach, or I can go and check out this. But at the same time, you do have a job to do, like you are still working. So how do you get that discipline to make sure that you actually do stay on the task at hand rather than going off sightseeing or procrastinating? I think a level of discipline can be tied to several things, several intrinsic values. If you're doing what you love, it's you get into this state of workflow where you're excited to open up your computer and start working. If you're working on passion projects that are making your heart beat faster, getting, making your palms a little sweaty, but yet you're doing something that you feel like is either your own thing or your own project. Now I'm speaking to like the freelancers and entrepreneur side more. Of course, there are remote employees out there that may feel the same, right? It, whatever makes your heart beat faster, like that's what matters at the end of the day. That's where that level of motivation is going to come from. We we like to do things that we enjoy doing. So if you are working, if you're creating your own business, you're excited to hop on your computer. And probably the worst thing is actually detaching from your laptop, disconnecting. That's going to be the problem that you come across the most or thinking that the tasks that you tried to complete that day aren't enough, whereas you probably completed a hundred to-do lists but yet your brain still wants more and wants to accomplish more because nothing is ever enough, right? So there's different phases of like having that discipline and having that motivation. I've actually, um, in these last two years, been, I feel like I've graduated in a bachelor degree of burning out. <laughs> so um, I, at the time I was working with four to five clients at once and it just puts so much of a toll on me that I was waking up at 6 a.m., I do my morning routine, I'd meditate, journal, dance, do whatever I felt like doing that day, start work at seven and then end at like 8 p.m. with like no breaks. Now, yeah. mind you, this was during COVID lockdown. So my level of um, discipline there was tied to a different thing. It was, well, I can't leave the house. <laughs> so what else am I going to do right now? I'm going to work. I might as well get ahead of all my tasks because that's also going to feel great. So I just found myself not sitting so much in presence and found myself always thinking, how can I get ahead of my work? So then I can relax, but the relax never came. So it, it was this constant circle, like being a hamster on a wheel, like trying to accomplish objectives and projects and goals. But then at the same time, that never having an end until you have a breakdown or until something, until your body shuts down and then your body's like, hey, <laughs> what are you doing to yourself? You know? So, um, being a long-winded answer, the level of discipline is, can be tied to so many things, but where my internal discipline comes from is because, and motivation is because I'm genuinely working on things that I adore doing. And I adore speaking with people that want to enter this lifestyle. I'm living and breathing the life that I wanted to create for myself. And I created it. So I get excited to wake up every morning. I get excited to not get pinged by a reporting manager that tells me what to do. I get excited to like take my day off and not have to work if I don't feel like it. And I get to, you know, so 
when you say, yeah, you can go and look at the flamingos and go look at the, you know, the culture, I can do that because I created my own business. Now that's speaking to the freelancers and entrepreneurs, the remote employees, depending on the contract that they have, if they're working a part-time job, great. Like, and if they don't have like a certain time slot that they need to be available in for the company, that applies too. Absolutely. Yeah. And it brings me nicely to the, I guess, challenges faced aspect of the show. Like I usually call the show comeback to focus on the comeback. Um, they could be challenges. They could be things that we aren't quite aware of. For example, you know, when you hear, um, I'll, I'll tell you a few stories that when I'm in Vietnam, I hear a lot of people say, yeah, I'll just teach online for a year and I'll just do this and it'll be sweet. And they have this kind of idea of the digital nomad mad life being completely idyllic. Unlike any kind of venture, everything's going to have its ups and downs. Now, I'm sure it's amazing in many ways, but it will have its challenges and also like hidden things, things that you wouldn't think of initially and might only realize once you're in the bubble itself. Can you tell me any of them? What are some things that maybe people will be unaware of, of the lifestyle that digital nomads have? And also what are the most difficult things? Hmm. That is such a great question, Connor. I feel like there are certain intentions and, and realities that you can make up in your head before entering into this lifestyle, but not only until the moment that you step into your power and step out of your comfort zone, do you then start to see what other challenges arise. So um, we mentioned this before, the loneliness pandemic, that was actually something I had no idea was going to be a consequence of living this lifestyle. It just like didn't really occur to me that, oh my gosh, I'm going to be living my best life. And like, I'm going to be, you know, living next to turquoise blue water and have sea turtles pop up and say hi to me, but yet I feel lonely. And so like, that was a, that actually came to a very big surprise to me because it just, I was so focused on like bringing my remote job with me and traveling the world that like the act of knowing that I was doing that by myself wasn't so daunting until I actually was doing it continuously every day for several months and then like always having to reintroduce myself to new people and to a certain extent it just got kind of heavy you know where you just kind of wanted to hang out with people that knew you mm. you know or know you and you just kind of wanted to like be with people that understand you and like you can find those people even after a couple minutes in a conversation actually the location where I've found that to be the highest number of um, people that I've met in such a short time period of wow we click immediately was Bali and that was something that um, allowed me to see that you truly do become um, the person that you surround yourself with like the people that you surround yourself with so if you're surrounding yourself with people that who they believe are living their best lives they're freelancers themselves. They wake up at whatever hours they want to wake up. They go to the gym, they're healthy, they're fit, they're, they're eating a great diet. Like you're surrounding yourself around these people that are in their minds living what they consider their best lives. You yourself, that is your, your new bar. Like your new bar is to be able to live and speak and breathe in that type of cultural mindset. Now, of course, there could be several consequences to that, like groupthink, um, you know, and Bali also is its own bubble in and of itself. 
but um yeah i would say probably the first thing was definitely the the loneliness part of what this lifestyle offers that actually just recently i've been traveling with my partner now so we met in bali a couple months ago and this was actually my first time traveling with a romantic partner and it's completely changed the whole ball game for me you know and um i'm not saying that solo traveling is something I'd never want to do again. It's a very different experience. And I wanted to put myself through that experience to taste more of my inner truth, to shine a light on certain places within myself that I, one, didn't even know were there, or two, on things that I was been shying away from to kind of look in the mirror and see like, you know, why do I behave that way? Why do I feel that way? You know, or like, um, you know, why do I get a high of like socializing with so many people and then I need maybe a day off to like chill and watch Netflix, you know, and it's like only can you know, you, you can only know once you step into this lifestyle, what is going to turn you on, turn you off, what's going to work for you, what's not going to work for you. And you can make up as many stories in your head, you know, and you could talk to as many people, you can watch as many free YouTube videos, as many different free content out there. But at the end of the day, you've got to take that walk yourself because you and your biological genetic makeup is very different to mine. And something that's going to turn you on can turn me off. Something that turns me on, can, you know, so like just stepping into that power and realizing what's, what can shape and sculpt you for the better or for the worse, except both with a very open mind and a smile on your face. <laughs> No, I think that's a key message. And I think that's definitely touched a lot of areas that I was very considerate about. And also, can I ask you then, you know, obviously there is a reason why digital nomads exist. You know, they want to get away and they want to experience parts of the world and travel and see some culture, which are all completely understandable reasons. But I guess I am going to ask, do you ever get homesick? Like, I, I know we just discussed the concept of home being like where you're at or where your initial base is, et cetera. But do you ever actually miss home occasionally, if you know what I mean? I do. I do. Yeah. I do know what you mean. And I do miss home. <laughs> um, I am very, I feel very lucky and very privileged to have a very tight and supportive family. Um, my parents have been together for 35 years and I have two siblings. and we, my two siblings are currently in the States right now studying at university. So my parents are home alone uh, with each other and um, we'll come back for the holidays and we'll come back for the summer. And when we come back, um, we're a full pack, we're like a wolf pack. And I do miss home. I'm very connected to my family. Um, that was something that was a little bit different in my upbringing. All the friends that I spoke to, they'd spend New Year's with their, um, with their friends and they'd spend Christmas, maybe with their friends. Um, I've, I maybe did that once, but I spend as much time as I can with my family. Um, they're my priority when it comes to going back home. And um, yeah, and like when you have such a great family, why wouldn't you want to spend time with them, you know? So um, I'm, I'm very grateful for what I have and I feel very lucky and I do feel homesick sometimes. And when I do, I just book a flight back home and I spend time with them, you know, and um, I have also realized 
that I've been able to create home within myself. And I've realized that what one of the things I wanted to push myself, um, or at least I wouldn't say push, but more like understand better within myself was if I'm changing my surroundings all the time, I am still the same person. I'm still, my essence is still the same. That does not change. My external surroundings change. So I can still go within and meditate and seek that level of familiarity in a very unfamiliar place. And that level of consciousness came to me through traveling because I realized that I can actually bring home with me and I can also create home wherever I go. And um, I've also been called a, like, um, a, a master, uh, oh, I don't know, how it's in Italian, um, like someone that can make a, a situation or a living situation very comfortable. <laughs> I think that's my inner Italian where I can just really create home wherever I go and make people feel at home. And that's something that I only realized uh, with traveling because if you feel like you are that way but you're staying in one location you don't know yet if you can translate that level of skill set or that level of awareness that you have with yourself and if that can be translated different cultures so um yeah I to answer your question I definitely do get homesick and when I do I video call my family and I try to look for the next flight to head back over there yeah and i suppose if you're on your own time and schedule and freedom then you're able to do that so you know kudos the digital nomad lifestyle uh, with that I, I don't think i think we have spoken this conversation you know a lot about the lifestyle but uh, i think we've only briefly alluded to what you actually do for mina so if you don't mind me asking you in terms of the actual remote work that you do like what it actually entails what it involves uh, alongside your workshops what what do you do? What is the remote work that you actually partake in, if, if you don't mind me asking you? Yeah, um, so I do two things. One, when I started out my freelancing journey, um, it's under all the same companies. So the company is called Nomad Haven, um, a haven for digital nomads, essentially. Um, and I started out working as a freelancer, helping founders and CEOs with their workflows and operations. So they would come to me essentially giving me, um, you know, saying that their uh, company, all the workflows were out of place, they needed automations, they needed to systemize things. So I would do that within every different department. Um, and I would make sure that there was cross-departmental communications in a global remote team. So that was a lot of what I was doing at the time when I was working with four to five clients. I was doing all of that by myself, which is an agency in and of itself. Um, and then from there, during that time, I was, and over these last eight years, I've been receiving messages from people, like as you shared in the beginning, you know, with yourself too, like messages of people saying, how are you living this lifestyle? You know, I'd share a story with not even my face in it of just like being at a beach and having my computer on the picnic bench, you know, like, how are you doing this? How are you working online? And to be honest, like I never knew what to do with that because I was always so busy working online for these clients that I never had the time to give these people the light of day until the point I realized that I decided to drop three of my clients. And this happened only a year ago, just not too long ago. 
um, I dropped three of my clients and I decided to work full time with one of them. And that was one of the reasons I was in Bali. And then after that, um, they had offered me a full time position. And I decided at that moment that this was my moment to either work full time for my for myself working as a freelancer, you do work for yourself, but you do have to speak with your clients on like, you know, time zone differences, perhaps or deadlines, and you're working for someone else's company objective and mission, and not necessarily your own. And so um, I was then offered an incredible position, travel expenses included, um, uh, accommodation included, and to create, you know, different digital nomadic communities being offered 180k job per year. And um, as shiny and as amazing as that offer was, I tuned in with myself having nothing to do with the company. I tuned in with myself and realized, darn, like, I really want to just do me. <laughs> and no amount of money is going to detour me from tasting that freedom that I taste every morning for myself. And so it was a very hard decision to make at the time because financial um, continuity and like having a really great paycheck per month would have been amazing but I just decided that there's people out there that need to hear my voice for my own brand and there's people out there that have these questions that I can genuinely help authentically with my heart space and my head space and so um, I kindly declined the offer and I've been focusing full-time on my business ever since so what I'm doing now is I'm helping people get online remote jobs we go through different trainings and different sessions I understand where their values are at what are their strengths what are their weaknesses we try to really sculpt who they are and who they want to be and then we go through different phases of creating an incredible online digital presence for them so whether they're um, wanting to create a polished linkedin profile we'll do that whether they need to create a stellar polished resume we'll do that um, you know whether they want to create an online website and they want to learn how to sell them online they're super easy and cheap ways to do that. And we work through that together. And then we package all of that and they're ready to sort of start either um, getting lead generation for different clients or if they're remote employees, start looking for global companies and see sort of making sure that they are applying intentionally to companies that are matching with their values, the different activities we'll do together, but also making sure that they're doing something that actually gets them really excited. Like money is not so much of that priority. It is a, an energy exchange as a consequence. But what I train on a mindset perspective is how can you be doing what you love doing and get paid for it? <laughs> and so we go through that journey together, a co-created journey. And then at the end of it, that already is, can be a lot for someone because you're starting that out. Um, and then I will also work with the people that have already arrived at that position by themselves, but then want to travel the world. So those are people that are either already a freelancer, already an entrepreneur, and they became that maybe before the pandemic, and they've seen people, they've seen the digital nomad lifestyle be given more entity and more identity. Um, they then want to learn how to travel the world efficiently as a digital nomad. I introduce them to my contacts, all the places I've visited, um, and that's a whole other different person as well that I work with. Yeah, absolutely. And 
there's a lot of ties here, which I really like. One being the fact that, you know, there's human relations involved and also tying in with the empathy we mentioned earlier, where you have to work out a person's motivation, strengths, weaknesses, what they would like to do. And also, you know, the fact that it, if it's the right fit for them or not. And it leads me nicely on to, you know, what I think and what I want to ask you about your motivation for doing what you do. Because on one hand, there's the freedom of the lifestyle that you live, but there's also the contribution factor where you're able to help people out, help them live their nomad lives as well. What is like the main motivation for you, Flamina? Like what makes you the happiest about what you're doing? Is it the is it the um, the contribution? Is it the freedom? What is the main motivation for you to keep doing what you're doing? I've actually, in my life, it's always come very easy for me to give. I consider myself an avid giver, <laughs> um, so much so that receiving was one of my biggest challenges. And um, sometimes I found myself even just being an altruistic giver and where I would feel like I would get nothing in return and I didn't really feel like I needed anything in return. And what I've come to realize now is that what are different ways of receiving can be either money exchange, can be either, you know, a positive attitude, you know, receiving that from other people can be so many different things. And I feel like what makes me feel or sort of where I'm happiest is being able to create a different day every day. So being able to say, okay, I don't have to set my alarm at like 6 a.m. or 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. every day. I can actually do different things throughout my day that keeps things exciting for myself. I find um, throughout these experiences, I've learned that I like that extra stimulation. Um, I genuinely get very sort of mentally itchy if I have to go to the same desk and the same view, have the same view every day. That view could even be of the Caribbean Sea. It could be the most beautiful view, yet I'm still going to get this itchy feeling of continuity and monotony. And so what I've realized and what makes me the happiest is how can I kind of sculpt and create my days depending on my mood of that day. So one day can be very different to another day. And so one of the things that I, I do for myself is the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I close my eyes. I'll probably stand up, I'll cross my legs, keep my back up straight, close my eyes and I touch my heart and I ask myself, what is something that would make me really happy today? And that can range from so many things. It can be, I want to take a salsa class today. I want to go get a manicure, pedicure. I want to really get this task done that I've been wanting to complete for months. It can be calling my friend, you know, and like, I just, I give more space for my intu intuitive voice to speak because what I want and what I see happening more and more is that the more that I do that I'm actually training that muscle that intuitive muscle to almost become my first or second voice it'll switch between those and um, my ego has been definitely a very loud voice here and there and I've allowed that to take a back seat and I've been a 
attempting to train that muscle, that intuitive muscle, the intuitive voice muscle into thinking, what is something that's going to make me happy today? It's going to be something different every day. So um, tune in and listen, listen to your mind, listen to your body. And even if it's just something so small, like eating chocolate, do it. Absolutely. I think that's very profound advice to really just, you know, set your intention, set your aim and go for it, no matter how small, even if it is something like eating chocolate. No, I love that message, Flamina. And the final question I'm going to ask you might be tricky, especially with your line of work, but I will still pose it. What would you like to achieve in the near future, perhaps a year from now, if we were having a conversation, what would you like to be telling me from what you've achieved? Mm. That is a great question, Honor. <laughs> um, I find that I do take a lot of enjoyment in one-to-one transformative sessions with my clients, but I do desire for things to be more scalable over a wider population. And I see a lot of those things coming to fruition with the current projects that I'm working on. Being a citizen, well, a dual citizen of the States, but primarily of Italy with a place that I call home, is not currently a considered a digital nomad destination. <clears throat> and I'm actually collaborating with several different people in the remote working space to make that more of a reality. And my friend sent me an article that just came out that essentially says that Italy is looking to launch a digital nomad visa. And that excites me so much because I find that I've been giving back to so many different cultures. And I think it's now time for me to give back to my own culture. And when I say give back and how it it sort of connects to this, is that it creating Italy as a digital nomad destination would help with tourism, would help with long-term expats, you know, to a certain level of the socioeconomic status and helping Italy realize that this is an opportunity that can change the country for the better and upskill even the local citizens to live a life that they consider is worth living. That doesn't mean leaving Italy and traveling the world. That could be very simple, just getting a remote job in your home country and providing people with more work placement and helping the local economy. So if we were to connect in a year, what I love to share with you, partner, is that my team and I, as well as the people I'm collaborating with, are doing everything in our power to make Italy a digital nomad destination. Absolutely. I think that's great. I think that's great to go back to the origins, you know, back to where it all began and really give back in that sense. Flamina, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you very much for your time. Have you got any final thoughts, final messages, maybe a quote, anything that you'd like to add before we wrap up the conversation to leave the listeners with? Thank you so much, Connor. I do have one quote. You can also find it on my Instagram. 
the quote that's resonated the most with me is most forget to live while still alive. <laughs> I'll let that settle and I'll let that be the final message. Flamina, thank you very much. All the very best. Thank you, Connor. <laughs>